Well, this is kind of like a Sunday scrub, but we're not doing on a Sunday. But at the same time, we are here to break down the Hawaii Bowl victory. I am joined by TD on his porch. I got Big Nexus, Little Nexus, who's making an appearance on frame. Little Nexus even has on his strut shirt. Little Nexus is ready to go. It seems like everything these days that's related to strut stuff, TD, is named after Joe. You got the uh, Nexus octopus that belonged to Tegan. <laughs> and now we've got little bobblehead Nexus who is presenting himself to us on camera as we speak, followed by his father, Big Nexus, evil laugh. That must be one thing, Joe. You must be doing very well in our bowl pick to be that confident right now. Is that what the case is? Uh, I'm okay. I'm not in the best shape, but I'm all right. I'm making a comeback, so we'll see how it goes. And here, here's my little alter ego here now that it's on camera. The Nexus right there. He's agreeing with me. Just yeah, I got to get him some glasses. Though. That's the thing, but uh, – here he is. And I told him, I told, I told my, my, my daughter's boyfriend, Christian, who got this for me that, Hey, you know, <laughs> here he is. Little Nexus. Now we'll put him over here and let him, let him watch and listen. Let him learn from his dad. There you go. Joe. So listen to this math real quick. We began the year in Los Angeles, 1644 miles, one way from Conway to Statesboro, 225 miles to Boone, 257 miles, Jonesboro, Arkansas, 802 Norfolk is 323, West Point 688, Honolulu, Hawaii 4,800 miles, give or take a mile or two, for a grand total of round trip 17,478 miles. Joe, you did every one of those miles, but I feel like Honolulu, Hawaii might have been your favorite trip so far this year. You want to take a minute just kind of talk about Hawaii itself before we jump into the bowl game? Sure. Love to. It was a great trip. It's only 1,600 miles to Los Angeles. I, I thought, anyway, I, it, at, Hawaii is every bit of 4,900 miles away from Conway. There's no question about that. It was a great trip. Great time. Enjoyed it. Thanks to, to AD Matt Hogue and, uh, you know, Kelly Moore of the CAF for allowing me to, you know, be able to bring Lindy, my wife, along with me for a, like a 30th anniversary kind of trip. It, it took a little bit to get out there. The plane was late to leave. Uh, Myrtle Beach, but uh, hey, once we got out there, it was a fun time. I got to see a lot of things that I, I may never get a chance to see again, you know, there in uh, in Waikiki and Honolulu and around the island. Got a chance to drive around one day, see the east side of the island, uh, in addition to all, all the other stuff I had to do with you know, watching practice and setting up the field and whatnot. Got a chance to go to Pearl Harbor one day. That was a that was an amazing and sobering trip. If you've never been to the Pearl Harbor Memorial, US, um, USS Arizona, and gone out there on the on the boat to, to walk around for a little bit and just see the names on the wall. And then, and then what really gets you going is, uh, you know, you see those who survived that attack went back after, you know, they, they had their, they wanted their, you know, remains to be buried out there when they, when they passed on to, they wanted to be with their brothers and, and that's out there as well. So, I mean, it's just, it's a sobering place to be. We had the opportunity to do that. And uh, you know, it was, just a, a fantastic trip. And then, oh, by the way, we won the game. <laughs> you know, by the time we got to Saturday, it was like, hey, let's play this game, right? Let's play this game. And, of course, we'll talk about that in a minute. But it was just an amazing, an amazing place to visit. If you've never had a chance, I would strongly encourage you. It takes a minute to get out there, yeah, but once you do, it's just incredible. The the the, the views, the, the scenery, the things you can do, it's incredible. Had a great time. Still trying to get back on time here, East Coast, but uh, – We'll get there, but wouldn't wouldn't trade the experience for anything. TD, you gave Joe some homework while he was in Hawaii, while he had Diamond Head in the background when we recorded the last episode about looking into like coconut clad or coconut turf or whatever. 
Joe, did you find out anything about the coconut shells or whatever? I didn't. The tur Now, here's the, the interesting thing. I, I think I texted you guys. I was over there Friday to set up the field, uh, and, and, and our, our vantage point was pretty bad. You know, where Sam Pinckney made that catch, I was. we were all the way at the far other end of the field and couldn't really see it. But the turf, I felt like it was going to be really slick, but it wasn't. In the game, it wasn't. It, it, it held firm and fast. Those little beads that TD talk about, but no, they don't have any of that stuff in there. Whatever it is, you know, that turf, that was a good field. Had a nice big old crown on it like Coach Bennett used to talk about, a crown on that field, you know. <laughs> he would always talk about that kind of stuff. But it had a big old crown, but, you know, I think TD hit it right on the head. I mean, the, those little beads, the little, you know, the rubbery you know, old used tires and whatnot, they don't, they don't use that. So, but it was a good field, and obviously it was good to us. Yeah, it was interesting. So I did some I did some additional research. Uh, again, some of there are some areas on the islands that they use it. Again, I was interested. I know Joe couldn't find it out, but there are some areas on the islands, Joe, that they use the the mix of like a coconut sand, shell sand, and something else. So um, again, if it rains, it gets real slick. But if it doesn't, the reviews were it is it is extremely uh, tat not tacky, but the tacky was the word that was used. But it was. Uh, it's very athletic. It's very fast. It says that the turf is very fast. Uh, so that was uh, interesting. But the field, um, tell us about this. Because, look, before I got a lot of text and we talked about it a little bit, the field looked solid. But what were the facilities like? It looked like they had finished off some of it since even last year when they held it off. But there, I know there were other areas to be desired, such as restrooms and retail and so forth and so on. Again, not trying to speak poorly, but the field looked okay. But it was very low-rise Low-profile stadium is a good it way is. of saying it. it. It is. And like I said, I mean, our, our press box is on the 10-yard line at one end of the field down towards the baseball stadium. Now, that is – if you've never seen the Hawaii baseball stadium, it is <laughs> – oh, my goodness. I mean, that that is a Taj Mahal-looking facility right there down to our left. Now, they imported the big scoreboard from the old Aloha Stadium. They put it in, in this stadium, which which really helped because the only other scoreboard was way down in the corner that you couldn't you – couldn't, we couldn't have seen that. From where we were, literally, we could not have seen it because we were in, we were in an old shipping container that they repurposed into a press box, which we had plenty of room. Can't argue about that, but I mean, you're not very high up. It's almost like a high school view, quite frankly. And they've got a lot of stuff they've got to do some work to, and they're going to get there. They're not there yet, but it wasn't a bad setup overall. Just wish we had a better vantage point, but uh, they're worse in this conference than what what I ran into, into in Hawaii. Mercy. They're worse in the Mercy. conference, TD. They're worse in this conference. I know who he's talking about. You talking about the Sunbelt Conference? Yes. yes. You mean yes. like going up a mile and a half up with wasps and hornets and whatever? No, yeah. I no, I, I would take behind that. home plate. Well, uh, behind home plate. Home plate. home plate is what I'm talking about. Home plate. This is true. In That's, the ATL, uh, for Pete's sake. You, you get to go back there next year, Joe. You get to go well, back there next year. Congratulations so, on that trip. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, TD. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. 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 So let's go around and talk about the Hawaii Bowl impressions that we're going to take away. TD, you're going to kick us off here. Just talk about some of the things that you wanted to to bring up about the uh, the win from this uh, this past weekend. We're now wow, two no, and two in bowls. Yeah, man. What's that, TD? Normally Joe goes first, but I don't mind kicking it off. Kick uh, it off, TD. Let's hear what you I'll, got. I'll kick it off. Look, I, there is I look. There is no safe return here. I'm, I'm taking it. At, at one yard deep, Joe, and I'm going to run as far as I can, as hard as I can. So Take it to the house, TD. I'll take it to the house the best I can. What I was impressed with is um, our team did not look distracted from going to the islands. Uh, our team looked 
focused. I mean, for three quarters, we held them scoreless, an offense that had been scoring 36 points plus a game uh, this year and really been scoring almost to 40 points the last six games of which they beat, if I remember correctly, two ranked teams, right? One ranked still, one I think that was ranked but no longer ranked. So, But they beat two ranked teams in their last six games, again, to finish seven and five. And were, as Joe explained, and Chile, you highlighted, they were in the mix because of a you know a third line tiebreaker. They didn't make the Mountain West Conference Championship, but they were one of the hottest teams in the country, and they were probably one of the top fifty or sixty teams in the country whenever we played them. And they had been out to Hawaii before, right? So I was actually looking to them to be more comfortable there than us. We actually looked more comfortable being there than they did. And Joe's nodding his head. So those that can't see it, it's like. Uh, but he's not on his head because we did look more comfortable. I'm actually going to lean on Joe for this later. But what I was impressed with was this was, you know, total first downs, we were equal. Um, interesting enough, they only had seven first downs. Um, they had seven first downs rushing. They were known as Chile highlighted coming in. They had a two, you know, they had a double-headed monster, two-headed monster coming in where they were averaging a couple hundred yards a game. I mean, almost to the to the service academy level during that winning streak, and they had a total net yardage of 159, yards to gain 178, but they didn't get really a lot of that until the second half and really the fourth quarter. They actually threw for more yards in the fourth quarter. They had thrown the previous about two quarters, right, of the three. I think total passing, they were at uh, they were at 215. We were at 200, 199, but 200. You know, we had three passing TDs. They had one, but it was interesting that they um they didn't – uh oh, what? Little Nexus will be a regular on the show. Yes, okay. Little Nexus could be a regular on the show. I just got that in in show text text messages while we're texting but, uh, during the show. Everybody, there we go. Well, what I found to be interesting is Ethan Vasco. If he can again, we're never really overly critical about one thing, but this is a productive, positive criticism. He's going to through time get better at his refined touch on the ball because there were three or four throws that he wasn't off tremendously, right? He like he didn't overthrow him by seven or eight yards. He was just over about a couple feet. And that seems like a great distance, but all that is is touch. He'll get that touch with reps under center or reps behind center. But what he did do, though, was there were a couple three throws, which are the touchdowns, that were absolutely on point. I mean, the throw to Sam was fantastic. The, the Alamo pass was great. I mean, the one in the corner right there to the uh, other tight end, my mind just escapes me all of a sudden. Joe, who was that? Yeah. Hold on a little, Nexus. Who is it? It's Kendall Carr. It's Kendall Carr. <laughs> so, Kendall Carr, I mean, he put that thing in a shoebox, right? He put that thing in a shoebox there at the goal line. But what I was impressed with, my takeaway was, it was the most complete four quarters, in my humble opinion, that we've had all year where the defense played very consistent the offense played very consistent, and I never felt like we were out of it, right? I see kind of a Joe scratching his head, chilling, but four quarters. I think we played all around the best four quarters of football this year collectively as a team, offense, defense, and special teams. We caused, what, three turnovers? Three turnovers? Two, two. two turnovers. That's and right, two turnovers. Well, and should have had – really kind of should have had two have. picks. Could have. Uh, well, you know, but, but, well, one uh, would have been tough. The other one probably should have picked it. But well, yeah. offensively, we moved the ball consistently throughout the game. We had a couple drives where we didn't, right? But you could tell play calling was purposely done to see what they would do to you know if we ran X, what are they going to do to this? If we ran Y, 
and we kind of stalled out a couple times. But ultimately, we scored points when we needed to score points, and we didn't give us we didn't give up a single point to the fourth quarter. So offensively, I was very proud and pleased to see us consistent through four quarters when we needed to move the ball. We did when we needed to punt the ball on special teams. I mean, what excellence in the punt game! I mean, that was awesome. And then defensively, very proud how and very excited to see how for three quarters, a little over three quarters, we played very consistent defense. Our DBs turned around and knocked balls down. Matthew McDoom had not one, but almost two chances that he could have intercepted, and both of them were heck of ball plays, right? I mean, it was great to see a bunch of freshmen and sophomores and redshirt freshmen sophomores play, so I'm kind of going all over but to set you two guys up, but I was excited to see that offensively, defensively. Again, y'all going to get into the Sam Pitneys and the Vascos and and, and the Got McDooms. I know y'all going to get into that like I know you, but just kind of teeing y'all up. But also just it was good to see the program this year. And there is a note, programs that end with winning records and bowl game wins, how that propels the recruiting class the next year. It is I think, you know, we don't get into a lot of, you know, a lot of data on recruiting sites, but we went from on an average of about 113 to 115 last year in recruiting. Granted, that recruiting cycle didn't do Coach Beck and his his staff any favors, right? Remember, it was mid-year when they came, they came in right at the end of the year. I think we're down somewhere in the low 80s with a potential projection to be somewhere in the low 70s, pending what we look like in the transfer portal. Why does that matter? That's right back to where Jamie Chadwell left us, the prior recruiting cycle. So it's 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 all positive movement. Um, running game did well. Receiving game again, we tackled better. We played better defense. It was, in my opinion, it was the, it was the best complete four quarters that we've played. Considering no McCall, no Brown, you know, other guys, Beasley, you know, F, again, not to pick on these guys, not to call them out that way, but losing impactful leadership and productive guys, we did we did well. I was really proud. Gilly, or you want me to go? Uh, don't matter. I, I can go. Go ahead. I'll Take go. it away. Take so it away. I only really have one point, and it's, I kind of made a few notes. I'm going to kind of scan over here. So I think instead of any kind of numbers, and we we talk about stats, I enjoy sharing the stats of other people and, and post-game and stuff like that. But I think this kind of boiled down to just this, this game being a character win more than anything else, because it would have been easy in this day and age of how college football and the three of us do not like a lot of what is what I like to call the current events of college football with your NIL at stake or you're transferring somewhere else or some guys even sitting out for potential NFL draft reasons. There's a lot of guys who kind of phone in the bowl season. We're seeing it now, like how Florida State is in a mess right now, how people are just yeah. leaving that school in droves. So it'd be very, very easy for a school like us to kind of go, well, we, we got a chance to go vacation in Hawaii for a few days and then maybe go give a little bit of effort in the bowl game just so we can come back home. Our guys didn't do that. We 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 left with the idea of going to win a bowl game. It's easy to say why I bother at this time of year for somebody like us, but our guys went out and won it. I got to give credit to one person who was brutally honest twice in that game. That's Mr. Orlando Franklin. There you go. I said his name. Orlando Franklin was brutally honest twice during that broadcast. Joe, I did strut style plus one. I had you guys up, and I also had a TV up because I didn't miss something Orlando Franklin brought up. 
here is where he was honest uh, honest about that game twice. The first thing was when he announced to everyone over a hot mic that he had to go to the restroom. That's Man, had to go. He had, had to go. go. The second go. part is what I want to kind of bring up about us, and that's the fact that the young guys that we had playing played mm. very hungry. He brought yeah, that up, and he was 100% correct. We had some guys out there who were, like you said, TD, some of the young guys out there are making some major contributions to what our mm-hmm. effort was in that bowl game. Uh, and I also believe that because of those guys and their character and the way they chose to play, it brought San Jose State out of their character a bit. They had uncharacteristic turnovers. They had untimely mm-hmm. penalties. Even though we had more penalty yards, theirs came at some really bad times. They had drop passes. They had a lack of rushing, but I also want to credit Coastal's defense for that lack of a rushing effort, to be frank with you. So I think that all goes back to character. And I want to point out a couple of guys who I want to kind of see maybe exemplify what we're talking about when it comes to making this game a character win. Number one, Sam Pinckney. It's his last game as a, as a shot of clear. And he makes that catch through his effort, makes that catch, eight receptions, over 100 yards. I think he went over 1,000 for the season. Again, I think he's a third he shot did. clear OTD to go over 1,000 yeah. season. He and Brown he and Brown did it. And then mm-hmm. um, he, Brown, and Joe, is it uh, – was it Matt Hazel? Or I was it Hazel. I don't have the record. I think it was Matt, I think it was Matt Hazel. It might have been Hazel. I think it was Matt Hazel. I think it was Matt Hazel the year we made it to the um, national semis because he had gotten it on the way to NDSU. If I remember correctly. Got it. So got another it guy that, I yeah. want to point out, Reese White, came in in the fourth quarter, made some great runs. I mean, his numbers aren't that great, but it was timely. I mean, and he's a guy like Sam Pinckney who he's, you know, would have been very easy for somebody like Reese White to go, nah, I'm good. Um, clearly, Vasco Tabasco had, his, Vasco had his best Tabasco, game. Man. I made sure I put that back out during the game at one point. I also want to point out another guy, Matthew McDoom. He has Mm. had a quietly good year this year. He had four pass breakups, and there was a couple. I thought the ref was about to throw a flag on some of them that might have been a little too much contact. They were letting them play to their credit. It's the end of the season. We're here to play football. Matthew McDoom had four pass breakups in the Hawaii Bowl. What a great effort on his part. Still a young guy, by the way, too. We've got a couple of more years of McDoom, so I'm looking forward to what he continues to bring to the table couple of last things, and I'm going to be done. I'll turn it over to you, Joe. Nine different Shawnee clears caught a pass. Six different shots ran the ball. And then we had 19 different Shawnee clears record a tackle or an assist tackle throughout the game. So, again, going back to what my whole talk was about being a character win and being easy for guys at this, this stage of the season to kind of go, no, we're good, we've had a season, we're done, is you show up, you go to a place like Hawaii, which Joe has described this as beautiful as it is. It sounds like paradise. It had been easy to have just a little quick vacation and then maybe give 100%. But clearly, Coastal showed up with the Hawaii Bowl victory over San Jose State 24-14. to And I think that's due in large part to the character of the guys who played in that game. I agree with both you guys. Some points that you made, and I'm not going to – I won't you know, rehash – all of what you just said. I think you guys nailed it in a lot of ways. I think and when TD mentioned the most complete game, I would say, yeah, I mean, if you don't mention Marshall or Appalachian State, this was the most complete game. It's the best game that we've played complimentary football since either one yeah. of those two games. All Great. three phases, offense, defense, special teams, in my opinion, they all 
coalesced and it all worked, yeah. right? We didn't really make any big mistakes and we excelled more or less throughout the evening in all three phases, right? I mean, yeah, we had the penalties, but, you know, they had almost as many, so it's almost a wash. So, yeah. I mean, and I made some notes as I, uh, you know, watching the game and then going back and watching it on tape, you know, first, you know, first quarter, we're up seven, nothing. All the helmets that were coming off. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, come on, refs. I mean, gee whiz, those San Jose State guys were just ripping our guys' helmets off. I mean, and got one penalty all night on that kind of stuff. Alimo with that great catch in the end zone gave us the mm -hmm. early lead. Kendall Carr made a great block on the little option pitch to Braden Bennett. Anybody that caught that? I mean, it's just a tremendous yeah. block. Not only is Kendall Carr a good receiver, he can also block out there. Basco ran it tough. Keontae Lusk and Clayton Isbell had a big tackle for loss in that first quarter as well. So, I mean, that gave us a, a 7 nothing lead. We had a nice drive in the second quarter. Crenshaw had those two punts inside oh, the five. Man. Those Beautiful. were, I mean, just that, that flipped the field. When you have to go 95 yards instead of 80 or 75, that's a game changer. And Evan just buried two of them inside the five. One is fantastic. Two is like, holy cow, right? So this kid punted and did a great job. And how about – Chili, you're talking about young guys. You're talking about Matthew McDoom with the four pass breakups. How about Wyatt Getty and tracking down that kid oh. on the fourth down, you know, little flare out of the backfield? I mean, I mean, Wyatt reads that thing immediately. Boom. That's their best that's their best player who had a really tough game, Kyrie Robinson. Two fumbles, two drop passes. Wyatt Getty gets out there and stops him in his tracks. Big fourth down stop right there. And we lead seven-nothing going into the going into the break. And then uh, you know, the the the, the third quarter. Here was a play, right? So, you know, Courtney Eubanks is one of the unsung heroes for me in this ballgame. Chili, you mentioned one in Reese White, and I'm going to mention Courtney Eubanks. Chevin Cordero, as he did multiple times in this game, escaped out the back door. I, I don't know how many times I felt like we had this guy, and he just scrambled uh, away. Six or seven mm -hmm. times like that. At least I mean, he did that. He was the best I saw all year as an opposing quarterback that could do that, right? Split. I mean, Split. I, I don't know Split. how many times. Well, anyway, he escapes, and he's headed for the end zone. Tobias Fletcher got hurt, and he's down. He can't make the play. Here comes Courtney Eubank kind of out of nowhere and stops him. Stops him inside the stops him inside the tent, and we force him to fumble and recover on the next play. That was a big play by Courtney Eubanks to make that play because Teokin forced it on the next play, and then Shane Bruce recovered, who also had five tackles. Shane Bruce had a big ball game in this thing. And you know, a little bit later on, T-Money forced another fumble that Eubanks is able to scoop up and take back. You know, he, he didn't take it back very far, and I think we got wound up getting a penalty. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, we get to the fourth up, you know, 14 nothing. After that great pass that, that we talked about to, to Carr that Vasco threw right in there, mm -hmm. he makes that catch for the touchdown, 14 nothing. We get a 49-yard field goal. Again, special teams coming through. You know, Liam Gray has been great all year. He was solid in kickoffs in this game. Here's Kate Hensley with a big 49-yard field goal. We're up 17 nothing, And then the character piece comes in, right? Mm -hmm. character of our team when san jose state starts making that rally they score once they get our only three and out of the night on us the next time then they go score again all of a sudden eight minutes to go it's like mm -mm. uh you know you're sweating this thing out what are we going to do in this thing right here comes reese white and here comes this offensive line nick del grande will mcdonald zach elam dylan luther zovon Lindsay. those guys did a great job you know evan jumper uh, Joe Hanson, Anthony Walton, Donovan Manson, those guys I think all played in the game as well. But our offensive line on that drive to put us up 24-14. Uh, Reese White's 11-yard run on second and eight really ignited things. I love Reese White. Six-year senior. You know, been battling injuries throughout his career, but he runs so hard. He doesn't get up there and tiptoe around and try to fake somebody mm -hmm. up. Boom. 
foot in the ground, he's up the field, 11-yard gain, and we took off from there. And then, of course, it all, you know, the, the little passes from Vasco, the little quick, you know, square ends or whatever you want to call them, to Sam Pinkney, he, he put yeah. him in that window twice. Sam made both catches. Next thing you know, boom, one-hander in the end zone, and we win the game right there. You know, 24 to 14. And I'll tell you this, I mean, for from complete transparency, I, I, you know, Vasco being the MVP, got it. No problem with that. If if I had, we'd ever got a ballot. We'd usually get a ballot. I don't know what happened to the ballots for us, but we didn't get a ballot to vote. So I don't know, wherever they went, I have no idea. If it had been me, I think I'd give it to Sam. But I'm fine with Ethan Vasco yeah. getting it. Sam, love Sam to death. That was a that was an NFL catch that he made in that end zone to seal the win for us, and it was a it was a great way to go out. It's a happy flight home. Yeah. You know, the guys on the ESPN actually proclaimed. As far as their MVP, they, they did. did. They did. Damn. Yes, they did. So I just they sure did. That was going to be the bowl well, MVP, but it was Vasco. Yeah, he was the game. Yeah, he was ESPN game. That's right. Game player of the game, but not the right. bowl pick. The bowl committee or whoever decides that. You know, who, maybe enlighten some of our listeners. Who had it? You know, ESPN does their player of the game, but the actual MVP of the game. How quickly and how, what does that look like? What does that quick process look like? Well, typically in the three bowls that I've covered on radio prior to you know last Saturday night, we we received a ballot uh, somewhere in the second half. I can't, I don't know exactly when, but we we get handed ballots somewhere okay. in the second half to to start thinking about this because we're we're considered. I don't know if they considered us part of the media or not in this thing, but typically we get a ballot and we start thinking about it. And before the game is over, we have to have those ballots, and somebody comes around and grabs them. We have to have them filled out like one, two, or three, or whatever it was. I can't remember, but, you know, I, I never saw a ballot. <laughs> whether I, I don't know if, you know, whether we were, you know, there, there's a lot of things that radio isn't considered on these days, but if I had gotten a ballot, you know, I would have said Sam Pinckney. And I have no problem yeah. with Vasco. I had no problem with that. Vasco was terrific in this game. Mm -hmm. You know, he really was. I mean, he, he missed a couple, but he hit a whole lot more than he missed. And he ran yeah. tough. I mean, it was just like, man, he took some hits out there, but he kept going. Joe, I got a question, and it's just for you. Only you can answer this question. And, Anybody who listens to the game strut style or just plain radio style, I love sports on radio. And, Joe, I've got to ask you this question. I've been meaning to ask you this all season, but I, I, I guess now is a good time to do it. When the radio broadcast goes to you and you begin to do like your introduction just minutes before kickoff, there's always something you say, how you kind of set the tone, the setting, whatever it is you want, whatever term that is you use. Do you write those? Do you do you improvise that on the spot? Because everyone I've ever heard, and I've heard all of them this year, it's like opening a book and you're reading the the great opening line to a story. You do a, an amazing job of just setting the scene. Do you write that stuff beforehand, or what do you do with that? Billy, I appreciate that question and appreciate your comment on that. Um, typic, this year I didn't. In years past, I've done that. This year I didn't. Most, almost all of these. Maybe I, if it occurs to me to write it, then I'll type something out and read from it. But most of the time, it's just like I'll think about it ahead of time. I'll try to get in my mind what I want to say and just set it up in this role and make yeah. it just be more spontaneous than anything else. So sometimes, yes. Most of the time, probably not. So my know. favorite one you did was the UCLA one because you kind of started off with this backdrop of the San Gabriel Mountains and you can kind of hear the, the noise of the crowd a little bit. I'm like, Man, I, even though I had the video on TV, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm more there when Joe describes it than I am when the guys on ESPN do it. I, this is terrific. I just wanted to ask you that question. I've been wanting to do it all year long, and I just thought about it right now. I, I appreciate that. Speaking of successful things in our season so far, TD, have you noticed who's in first place in the bowl pick'em right now? I was trying to pull that back up on my phone. 
and uh, give me a second, because I, I, I man, it, well, don't tell right me, here. don't I, don't I, tell I, me, it's, don't tell me it's Joe. Well, I don't think I don't know. No, I'm I'm not ahead. Hey, let me let me go check my green beans on the stove. Give me a second, I'll be right back. I'll talk about the standings while Joe checks his beans. Um, so TD, we've got a tie for first between with uh with that being said and Alaskan shot. Now, if you'll recall, last time we got together, Alaskan shot shot was eleven and zero, riding an incredible streak to start off the whole bowl pick'em season, if you will. And now, with that being said, and Alaskan shot are tied atop the standings by themselves at fourteen and four. And after that, when you get to like, you know, who's in third place, fifth place going on down. So far, everyone is divided up by a game or so. Myself, my title is Chili's Revenge on Nexus. I'm doing pretty well, TD. I'm at 12 and 6 right now. Um, I don't know where you are. I'm looking through the standings. I feel like you're kind of further down. I'm nine and nine, man. I'm nine nine and nine. I'm nine and nine. I started out, I started out like seven and two. And then the rest of the Sun Belt, excluding App State, Georgia State, South Alabama, Coastal, went and crapped the bed. And, uh, you know, they got a mighty dude. I mean, it, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get into that. I know a little bit later and how the conference did along with how the, that's actually coming is, up here in a second. Yeah. yeah that's, so, yeah. I see Joe Nexus owns Chile and TD at 11 and seven overall. 11 so and, 11 and seven. Yep. That's where I am. Two games ahead of, of TD, by left, the way. That's a play, but I just want to point out that I'm in first place. I just want to know how Del Grande did. You know, he, he's out there winning the Hawaii Bowl, and then he's also currently twelve and six in our. It must be it must be somebody in his family, or if it is him, that's pretty. That's that's pretty uh, amazing that uh, the kid can win a bowl game and be twelve and six, two games out of first place with bowls to go. I love some of these names though, man. Uh, Miss deceiving picks again. Kurt Signetti's cell phone. We touched on that. Tim Beck's headset. Um, there was, uh, there was another one. Oh, wait a minute. Timeout. Somebody, somebody's taking some names of ours. What is this one? Minimal coverage bikinis. <laughs> oh, good. It's a good one. I don't know who it is. That's and I'll be honest with you. Some of the ones, like if we get one of these people who, and this is awesome to have all these people that are in it and using these cool names, but TD, I really see this as like, if, if you're the person and we don't know who you are and you win, we are really going to need you to identify yourself on Twitter or some way so we can recognize you, get the prize to you, whatever first. But I really like the idea of having some kind of a reveal at the end of this whole thing, just so we can see who is who and you know, kind of recognize our fans and everything too. So I think that's a pretty cool. I, I was going to point that one out if you didn't about minimum. Well, coverage. I love it, man. 2024 uh, Sunbelt champs, Connor Stallions tickets. Some of these folks, I think changed some of their names later on, but um, the teal tide tsunami, uh, plucking for aloha, dude. These are some great names, man. I just wanted to touch on that because you see these names and just go, man. So people took a video, a few minutes. We had 107 total entries, right? I would beg right. to say probably five to seven of them could be duplicates, right? I get that because people, but we had a solid 95 to 100 individual entries into this thing, man. That's pretty solid. Yeah. I think it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's cool seeing other people who are enthusiasts. Like we, I know TNT College Football entered one. A uh, group of five guys is in there somewhere too. Not doing as good as the three of us, but I just want to point that out as well. But then we had some people who entered that didn't do a single pick, and that's really 
that was misdeceiving. That was <laughs> misdeceiving. So, Chili, how, how's the rest of the belt doing, man? That's what I'm interested so, in because there's a few right, teams that so we got so as well. far as the Thursday the 19th game where UTSA defeated Marshall. So, what happened next is going to be all the ones that occurred on the same day we played our bowl game. So, we're looking at Duke defeated Troy 17-10 in Birmingham. Northern Illinois defeated Arkansas State, and I'll be honest with you, I had a hard time with that one. I'm not an Arkansas State fan, but the way that one ended was not not Man, fair. That, 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 if he was offsides, then that play, they, that's one of those they could call holding on every play. Man, that's one of those. I mean, that, show me which kid was that so much far offsides they had to call it. I yeah. mean, it and in it the was, replay showed he wasn't. And yeah, you're splitting hairs, man. I mean, I can think of there's times when we kick off that I'll even go, Joe, chill, we talked about it. I'm like, ooh, were we all sides right there? <laughs> and, like, close. it's just cl- – I mean, you can't let a game be decided by something like that, man. I, I just right. – that – again, I, we all feel the same way about Arkansas State. But that game got under my crawl a little bit because I'm like, come on, man. you telling me these kids played the way they did and you're going to decide that game on a lame-ass offsides call? Come on, man. Come so, on, man. Speaking of lame – Teddy, what was that? Teddy, Teddy, what was that? What did you say, Teddy? Yeah, Joe's a little next. Oh, man. (laughs) Air Force defeated James Madison, and I'm sure James Madison will probably appeal that, 31-21. Georgia State, 45. Utah State, 22. South Alabama, 59-10 in the battle in Mobile. Did you guys see the ending of that? Yes, man. What? There ain't no place in football for that crap, man. ain't no place for it at all. And finally, the good guys, 24-14 over San Jose State. I think we've got one more, and that's Texas State in their bowl game. I'm looking forward. They'll have it in front of me. Texas State will be facing Rice. Rice, thank you. Rice. So I got a question. How do you like your rice? Yeah. There you go. Salt and butter. There we go. Well, well said. Well said. Hey, we got one more game of interest to the, uh, the Strut Podcast, Strutties Until Nation. It's the uh, Oregon game. And uh, Oregon should be giving us discounts. Cheers to the Ducks. I hope you hang a 50 burger and add ketchup, mayo, and mustard on it. I do want, <laughs> speaking of 50 burger, we talked about this uh, Twitter wise. We put out a poll about what should we name Sam Pinckney's catch. I'm going to read the four choices to you. But guys, I think the comments won that poll. I don't know they if did. you guys had a chance to see what there were exactly some good comments. There were some good comments, man. And there's one comment that I'm gonna, I want to nominate as the winner. But here we go. Um, the final results are in. There were 116 votes, one of our more voted-upon poll questions. Your four choices to name Sam Pinckney's catch was, was the Waikiki TD, the Honolulu one-hander, the backstroke, or the Aloha leap. Now, the Honolulu one-hander won the poll by 40, with 46% of the vote. But I here like are some one. of the other, other uh, options. Little Nexus is going to like these two, Big Nexus. One of them was called the Mahalo, which means thank you. The other, Another one, the Honolulu Hopu. My favorite one was the Hawaii 1-5. I love that one. I love that uh, one. Uh, I like one that the one. one-hander. So I'm kind of leaning toward Gina Pinckney's submission of the Hawaii 1-5. Me too. I mean, I that, is, that, that is his mama, right? I think it is. If that, and I look, guess mama, that could be a rule. Mama can name your catch, right? 
Yeah, mama, if mama if mama says that's what she wants is the name, then mama gets it. So what we're calling it, the Hawaii one five catch. The Hawaii one five, yes. Uh the, the other poll I had out was how do we feel post game? Mission accomplished, meh, or it could have been worse. Ninety two percent said mission accomplished on the season after the bowl game. So I, I think I agree with that too. T D. Mm. I have to ask you about something you put out on social media about Christmas morning and your son and his gift. This is such a cool story. If you didn't see it, TD, you need to share this with us. I'll quickly share it. Um, so yesterday morning, Maddox loves baseball and football cards, right? College, football, college, baseball. He, he loves sports in general, man. Basketball doesn't matter. Um, long story, long story short, is he, in a stocking Santa brought, he put some baseball cards in there and some football cards in there. Well, football cards for a long time in my, in my, you know, 40 years been on this earth, they, they kind of put some of the players that are coming up, right? Really more so the last decade or so. So they call them newcomers, right? So he gets a pack of the 24 cards or 20 cards of guys that are already in the league, right? And then there's four cards in there. Interesting enough, three of the guys are from the Sun Belt. And I, I got those, by the way. And But Maddox is going through them, and literally the last card in the pack, this was not set up. We didn't talk to Santa Claus. This was not a God's honest truth. He looks at it, and his face is like complete, astonished, stunned, bewildered. He looks at me, and you can't see me unless you're watching our, our our recording, but he looks at me and goes, he just turns his hand, and he goes, is this Grayson McCall's card? And I went, well, what's it say? He goes, it says Grayson McCall. <laughs> and I look at him like, oh, my God, this is Grayson McCall's football card. He got it on the last packet of the last card that was in there. Again, three other newcomers, and two of them were Sunbelt guys. But Grace's card, it says Sunbelt Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, has all his stats up through this year from Coastal. And so then I took a picture of it, like, because we were taking pictures. I took a picture of him, and I tweeted it out. And lo and behold, Grayson last night uh, liked it, and then he retweeted it. And, I mean, that thing went from just a couple hundred people seeing it to about 5,000 people seeing it overnight and uh it was i mean I, I didn't even know that they were doing sunbelt players because most of the newcomers not the not the sunbelt they're they're usually the alabamas and the texases and the miamis and the clemsons but this one had grayson and two other kids in the sunbelt um man that was cool so it's uh we've got it in the coastal room i said son you're not gonna keep that in the stack we're gonna set that aside we're gonna put that over here in the in the display case because um that was pretty cool man i mean it was my wife even kim was like are you kidding me are you kidding? She saw it. She went. She was just stunned. She like looked at me the same way I looked at her. Like, are you? This is. is it, does this really happen? Because I looked at her. And I was like, Did you talk to Santa Claus? Because I didn't talk to Santa Claus. Did you? I didn't. I didn't tell him that. Did you tell him that? Kind of doing that for the parents that listen to the show. You know how that works. She's like, uh, No, I, I just bought this. Or um, excuse me, uh, Santa Claus bought this <laughs> from wherever he buys it from. The elves got it. Whatever they do, but. uh, you know, it was just, it was cool, man. So I tweeted it out, man. And then uh, I had to, man. It was so, we were completely stunned. For the next five minutes, we all were just kind of sitting there staring at each other like, did that really just happen? And last card in the last pack, it was Grace McCall's newcomer to the NFL card. So he's got to get it signed. Oh, dude, I'm going to try to get it signed, man, because that's, uh, I'm, I'm a, if I get it signed for him, I'm going to put it like in a little, in a little case for him and let him put it up in his room. So, but uh, that was pretty cool, man. That, that was one of many blessings of, of Christmas yesterday. TD, talking about family time getting together, when you guys want to go out and play some mini golf, what's a good place to go to? 
Myrtle Beach Family Golf and their fantastic courses. I tell you what, right now is going to be a great week to do it because not a whole lot of tours in town. And uh, and I know, look, Myrtle Beach Family Golf is an alumni-operated and managed local outfit here. Golf fun for everyone. They have four mini golf facilities, one driving range, Captain Hook's Adventure Golf, Jungle Safari, Jurassic Golf, Shipwreck Island, and Cane Patch Driving Range. Again, now's a great time to do it because not too many people are going to be out there right now. You can get out there and uh, practice on that cane patch. And then if you if you get real discouraged, you can always go over to uh, to Top Golf, where I saw Dr. Benson taking his family uh, and, and a number of other Shauna Clear faithful taking theirs. But again, Myrtle Beach Family Golf, golf fun for everyone. Four local putt-putt facilities and one driving range, cane patch up near the 74th Avenue area of the dunes area myrtle beach joe i want to give you a, just a word of advice as we do the segue to the next one little nexus being the young fellow that he is and probably future person to hold that chair as far as the strut goes if you're looking to grow a healthy kid let me recommend to little nexus dr david turner coastal class of 97 at impact chiropractic he's been practicing in conway for 20 years he believes in a proactive, wellness-based approach to achieving optimal health and function for the entire family. At Impact Chiropractic, they work hard to grow healthy kids rather than fix damaged adults. 210 Singleton Ridge Road in Conway, impactchiro.com, 843-347-9103. Take Little Nexus Joe and begin getting him on his uh, plan to achieving optimal health. <laughs> No doubt about that, Chili. Little Nexus has a better knee going on than I do right now. Even though the knee held up very nicely out there in Hawaii, I didn't get to walk, didn't get to hike all the way to the top of Diamond Head or anything like that. But the knee did did very well out there. Little Nexus is in better shape than I am. And I tell you what, when we want to go see a ball game, right? Little Nexus says, "Let's go to Hanley's. Let's go to Hanley's." Hanley's Pub, CCU Class of 2002, the official pub of the Strut Podcast, located in Carolina Forest. We will CCU. At your local pub, Hanley's in Carolina Forest, 3873 Renee Drive, Myrtle Beach, phone 843-903-4904. That's where you'll find Nexus and Little Nexus for the next ballgame. Joe, 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 hold on a second. Joe, you look like, you remember uh, Anthony Hardaway and Little Penny? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) TD, I think we need to put Little Nexus on T-shirts. Who would we call to get that out as far as making Little Nexus T-shirts and Little Nexus hats available for everybody? Hey, I'll tell you what. Call Bob Baldwin. Bald. I can't even talk right now. Bob Baldwin. CC class of 2011. When you think coastal and you think marketing, think coastal marketing. Go see Bob Baldwin located down there at Sandy Lane Suite A in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. His phone number is 843-349-4848. Or go onto the web at coastalmarketinggraphics.com. Again, when you think coastal and you think marketing needs, think coastal marketing and Bob Baldwin. TD, when Little Nexus, Joe, when he gets older, it's going to be time to search for a house. And I can't think of anybody better than Dan Sign over at Dan Sign Realty, Coastal Class of 2001. At Dan Sign, I'm sounding like TD now. Dan Sign at Dunes Realty Sales is real estate done right. 128 Atlantic Avenue, Merle's Inlet, DanSignRealtor.com. Little Nexus, pick up your daddy's phone and call 888. 888- 889-9312 and talk to Dan Sign because he is real estate done right. Little Nexus has been the, the key to this episode. <laughs> Especially to, to the Thank end you, of it. Really appreciate you. Appreciate you, buddy. Oh, Thank man. You. I need oh, a little man. I'm getting jealous. Oh, man.
<laughs> so all you got to do is all you got to do is take a picture of your face and then the side, and then send it. My my daughter did that serendipitously, by the way. I didn't. She said it was for a class project. Next thing I know, this thing shows up. That's too well, funny, man. That is too really funny. Too, Joe. <laughs> that is too funny. <laughs> she was, Gentlemen, she, she misdeceived me. Data <laughs> doesn't lie, but it can't be misdeceiving. There you That's go. Right. There's your, didn't say it this time. Finally got it in. Jim, I'd be remiss if we didn't get off of this show, considering uh, the blessing that is um, Merry Christmas and the birth of our Savior. Tell me one thing that uh, yesterday, tell me something that was funny and tell me something that you're, I know we're all blessed for many things, but tell me one thing that stuck out with your Christmas funny and uh, one thing that you always look forward to every year. My daughter, who's four, got a unicorn camera. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm not lying. It's a camera, got the unicorn decoration on it, and every five seconds I have to pose in some way for Penny's unicorn camera. So that's been the funny, rewarding thing is watching her walk around the house as an amateur photographer. And, and guys, I'll be honest with you, she's not bad. Not for four not years bad. old. She is not bad at all. So she's got the um, – the whole unicorn camera going. And I'll tell you one thing I cannot do with that on Christmas. And my mom gets this for me every year as a stocking stuffer. It is the Hickory farms holiday pack where you got the summer sausage, the different cheeses, the different flavors yeah. of mustard and that kind of stuff. Okay. I think I have gotten that every single right. year. And when you bite into that summer sausage first time with the cracker and the cheese and the mustard on it, man, is that's what I eat when I'm watching bowl games is that and raising it's also, those are my two. So that's something I took away. I got some other stuff that's really, really awesome, but you know, that just tastes like Christmas to me. Like uh, Joe, how about you, man? One I, thing I, funny, I think one the, thing. The, fun, the funny thing was me when I opened little Nexus up, I had no idea. I mean, cause you know, like I said, my daughter's boyfriend, he, he was like, Mr. Cash and Mr. Cash, you got to open it, Mr. Cash. And I'm like, what, what do you, what is in this box is what I want to know. And then I, 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 the first thing I saw was the head of the bobble. I was like, oh my gosh, what have you, what, what have you, what is this nonsense? And more I looked at it, I'm like, that's pretty cool. You know what? I thought that's pretty cool, man. Something. That's pretty cool. So that's kind of funny. And then, you know, just being with family, you know, you, you, you don't, you, you want to make sure that you savor the moments with family while you have yeah. them. Right. You know, and I mean, we get together for breakfast with my wife's family on, on Christmas morning. We've done that forever and a day. And, you know, my wife's mother's kind of getting up there a little bit. And so every year is a, is a year that you just cherish, you know, you hang on to those, those moments with family. I still have my family to go to eat dinner with a little bit later on. So just hang on to those moments and, and cherish them. And, uh, you know, they have memories that uh, they'll last a lifetime. Just being with, being with family. My, uh, my funny one was, uh, my wife did a fantastic job of doing, uh, elf games. We call them elf games. And, uh, so she has six or eight games that she comes up with to Etsy or I don't know where she goes and finds them. I don't care, but they're hilarious watching my dad. So the, the cool thing was, uh, you know, the blessing to have everybody together like Joe and like Chili, you said in your own way, but having pop this Christmas, considering everything he's been through this year, with his head and neck cancer now that he's clean and free of it. Uh, but watching him do the elf games, uh, one of them was the candy cane pickup where you have candy cane, you have a candy cane in your mouth with a hook and there's a pile of candy canes and you've got to hook them with your mouth and put them in a bucket. Watching him do that. I was laughing so hard. I was crying, dude. And, uh, but that, uh, that was fun, but looking forward to a family recipe that we've done for 130 years. It's called candied biscuits. And, uh, it's a way that we can connect with four generations back as, all they had was country ham, sugar, and biscuits, and it's the way that we do it. Put it in a cast iron pot. We do it every Christmas, man. So, way that uh, I look for the only time of year we do it, but um, way to look back. But gentlemen, what a merry Christmas it was, man! 
And what a bowl Indeed. game. Indeed. Let's hit a shots up and we'll call this one an episode, everybody. Shots, shots up. Shots up.